Hi, we're new kids on the block. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I can't remember. What was it? Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Hi, we're oh, new. Oh, we're too loud. We're too loud. Ready? Hi, we're new kids on the block. Oh, oh, oh. Helen Paul. That was right. I was right. Okay. Helen Paul's football log. Yes, I know it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 50 takes, Stuart. 50 takes. Where's your proof? <laughs> Hi, we're new kids on the block. Oh, oh, oh. Alan Paul's football log. That was alright. Yeah, that was good. I'll do with that. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, ladies and gentlemen, all. This is Paul speaking to you from Studio 2 in the newest edition of the Alan Paul Football Log. And I think if I can get my buttons in the right order, I can access the golden and dulcet tones of my good friend and colleague, Hal Stewart. Hal, are you there? Hello. There he is, that radio voice, coming to you live. How are you today? I'm good, soft and sultry as per ever. Fantastic, good, nice to hear. Yep. We've got uh, loads to talk about, well I say we, uh, me. Yes, you've got uh, loads to talk about. I'm going to be in the background for this one, um, nursing my wounded ego. I was about to say, you're convalescing at the moment. Yeah, I am a little bit. Uh, I had a nasty encounter with a Sunderland fan in a school football match on Friday night, and uh, I've now got a rather large ankle, which is available for you all to see on Facebook and the Facebook group. Don't forget, you can uh, still be our friend on Facebook if you want. And also, we talked about it on Twitter as well, and several people have posted me uh, stories, some of them quite gruesome, about the worst tackles they've ever received. And it certainly makes me feel a little bit of a wimp for uh, feeling in so much pain over this sprained ankle, because they have had some real, real leg breakers in their time, and I never have. So, in fairness, though I am convalescing, I'm in good spirits, and hopefully, uh, you know, we'll still have a good log despite that. There's some bad tackles out there. You need to ask uh, Elton John, and uh, he will definitely verify that. Apparently, uh, David Burnish bends over backwards for him, so uh, there we are. Oh, it's nice when people can get together that way, isn't it? Exactly. That's some information I got last week at a celebrity get-together. Now, uh, we've got so much to talk about. Again, we I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue using we. Because yeah, that would be pen. nice. Well, we'll let you chip in now and again. Ah, but mostly it'll be a log that doesn't really require you, if that's okay. <laughs> okay, so the Hal football log this week. Yeah. It's what a lot of people have been craving. Yeah, I, I bet it is. Didn't you say the other day that there was absolutely no need for you on the log because I just talk and talk and talk and you have to put your hand up and so these Skype recording conversations <laughs> don't work because I can't see your hand up and therefore it fails on every level. When we're live there, when he says hand up, we talk about an Orville kind of thing. You're kind of like Orville the Duck, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, so when I've got my hand up, you really do make a noise and uh, that's something that we've all experienced a bit too few too many times, I think. Do you remember um, Ricky Gervais' podcast where he talks about... Uh, a guy believing that the most close thing you could do with a partner is touch their heart. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, and the various reasons why that may not work. Yeah, we, we've had a go at that. We have, uh, yeah. So it, was, it, was, it was just messy, wasn't it, really? <laughs> well, at least we went the right way. I thought Mouthway was, uh, was as Ricky suggested. Quick, are, we, are we still so, talking about the same thing here? Or are we, uh, no. Okay. Thing. Um, one thing we should talk about when we've sort of done a sex reference there is um, Stephen Bywater's um, quote-unquote art. Uh, have you actually seen this? No, I, well, I, I thought when you mentioned this to me off air, which is the stupidest term to use because we're not on air now, but the, when you mentioned it to me before, I thought you told me about it because I'm sure I've heard something about it, but I can't remember what it was. So I, you can now educate not only the listeners, but your own co-presenter. Well, on the 23rd of September, Andy Dolan uh, exposed quite literally this story on the Mail Online. And it's, it's still on there. You can go and have a look at it. Go to dailymail.co.uk forward slash support and uh, you will find it. I can't believe we've advertised the Daily Mail on this podcast. <laughs> Outrageous. Well, if you took a look at the story, you won't be surprised why they've covered it. It is basically an obscene 
image of um, well, it's a, it's a construction, I suppose. It's, it's, he says it's a masterpiece, but it's not. It's an inflatable black sex doll on a porch <laughs> toilet, and uh, it's right next to his neighbour's house. They've even got a bird's eye view of his neighbour's house and how close it is to this disgusting mess. He, he spelt it, it says on it "peace and love," and he spelt "peace" P-I-E-C-E. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's just absolutely, I mean, that's probably the bit that I probably like the least. So but illiterate so and perverted, feels like some of the people I teach. It's so close to his neighbour's house. And the thing that he's probably done, uh, which probably makes it worse, is he's actually put this art so that it doesn't face the general public as they drive past. Yeah. It, faces, it literally faces the driveway of his neighbours. And, oh. and you can see where his neighbours have parked. Every time they get out of the car, they've got this portable loo and this sex doll facing them. Wow. I, has he made any comment on why he's chosen to do that? No, he, he just says it's a masterpiece. That's all he's been quoted as saying. Uh, Darby, you'd be interested to know, have reportedly had a complete disassociation uh, with this story. Yeah. Well, I've, I've heard that Darby are trying to um, distance themselves from all grotesquely ugly, unnecessary uh, experiences uh, when, for visually looking at things, and that's why they're trying to flog Robbie Savage in the January transfer window. Uh, who's I don't know if you've seen on, on Twitter, he's been having a fight with Rio Ferdinand. Uh, and basically, what Robbie Savage seems to do on Twitter, and I, I don't know if this is, you know, his sole purpose um, on it, but it's kind of like he is as a footballer. Basically, he picks celebrities out of uh, the Twitter sphere or whatever you call it, and just irritates them to the point where they end up having a big sort of wind-up fight. He did it with Chris Moyles not long ago, Andy Peters, I think he might have had a go at Rio Ferdinand was the big one the other night, and they just do what they all refer to as, you know, a bit of banter, and basically slag each other off for hours about how rich they all are, and it's quite disturbing reading. Because uh, most of the people who are getting involved and tweeting, oh my God, you've got to see what Robbie Savage is saying to Rio Ferdinand. Um, and you read it and you think, well, I didn't need to see that really, because, uh, you know. So that's what he's been up to. And I didn't I know that about Stephen Bauer. What a strange thing to do with a sex doll in a toilet. His neighbours say that he's done it on purpose to um, basically lower the value of their house. He says bullying tactics to force them to sell the land at the rear of their property um, to him and right. uh, lower the value because no one else wants it. So he'll be, you know, the only interested buyer at that stage. I see. So why does he want their land just to build more houses? Well, as I say, if you look at the bird's eye picture on the Daily Mail at UK, which you can't do because for some reason Tinterweb has died on you. My Tinterweb has died on me. Yeah, it's very strange. Yet you've still got Skype. Uh, of course, other yeah. recording facilities are available. Uh, but if you do have a look at the bird's eye image, uh, his house kind of leans to the left, and the back garden literally intercepts his neighbour's house. Right, okay. And if he if he had a tiny bit more land, it would be even. So I think that's he probably just wants it to look symmetrical from a bird's eye view. Yeah. If only footballers made enough money to buy a house that met their specifications, <laughs> that'd be uh, that'd be something that they could you know maybe look to do. That would be a way of getting around that problem. I think. Is it worth mentioning that um, Stephen Bywater uh, used to play for West Ham? I mean, is that a coincidence? <laughs> Why? I don't know what you're implying there, my good friend. Uh, well, I mean, this is kind of uh, the tactics here. This is this is a way, a way to cheat your way into getting land, isn't it? Surely. That's not the right way to do it. Maybe that's how they're brought up in the youth team of West Ham. I can only assume that yes is the answer to that question. Okay, well, they're just the views of uh, Hal Stewart. I don't really know enough about it. Oh, yeah, go, we'll go along with that. Why not? West go Ham are all that. cheats. And, um, and anyone who's uh, ever played them. Anyone ever played them, and all their fans too. Apologies there to Jason, who is a West Ham fan, who's not a cheat. But Hammers Hobbs was our only bad review on iTunes, I seem to recall, and he was a West Ham fan, so... Maybe uh, maybe there is something to that after all. He only he only gave us a bad review because of that, I'm sure. Yes, probably. Because he knew that in 20 episodes of time, we would slag West Ham off as dirty cheats. Absolutely. Now, um, you know, you asked on the football log 
Facebook site. Yes. You said, new log on Friday, gang. Lie already there. <laughs> it wasn't a lie at the time. It Why turned out, you winning up? It uh, turned out to be <laughs> untrue, but it wasn't a lie at the time. No, but lie. Uh, got anything you want us to mention? Now, uh, Adam Harrison has uh, instantly said, and, and two people have liked it, so I, I mean, obviously, you know, in Facebook terms, that means we have to talk about it. Yeah, because on Facebook, one person liking it is equal to a million people liking it in real life. Well, I've now made it three. Um, it's uh, Lauren Robert. Right. I'm what? going to give you a quick pop quiz on Lauren Robert. Fire away. Because I know you don't have the internet, so this should be... <laughs> <laughs> and you also know I know nothing about him. You know a little bit about him. Well, yeah. Right. Um, we'll start with an easy one. What position would you say Lauren Robert plays? Lauren Robert for Newcastle used to play attacking midfielder left. Okay, we're not playing football manager here, Paul. Yeah, he's a left winger, isn't he? Yeah. And uh, where do you think he played his last game? His last... His most Which recent game or his last ever game or... Uh, it was not his last ever game, because he's, he's still, still he's a free play. agent, but he, he wants to still play. Uh, did he play his last ever game in France? No. Okay, was it in England? No. My word, I've run out this, of countries. This could go on for quite some time. I will, uh, put why, you don't you, why don't you tell me the answer? <laughs> he played for Greek side, you wouldn't have got this, Larissa. Oh, I was just going to say. Yeah, that was the next one, wasn't it? It was, it? yeah. Because once you've gone past France and England, obviously the next place is Larissa in Greece. <laughs> I had a little spell at Toronto, at Derby County as well, Portsmouth, and uh, no other clubs now. Newcastle, and actually you might remember, uh, Newcastle, he played just shy of 130 games in the mm. league. And, um, oh, thanks to Wikipedia, he scored 21 goals. That's the most he ever scored. Uh, 19 was his other highest tie for uh, Montpellier. He had uh, he had a good two seasons. He, he played for longer than two seasons, but he was really uh, he was really outstanding for us for a sort of season and a half, and he was good for the next season after that. But then he sort of the, his kind of Newcastle United when we were signing Hatton Ben for this summer, and obviously we haven't seen you know how that's going to develop after the De Jong tackle, which was uh, only marginally less painful than the tackle that I had done to me on Friday night, which <laughs> was sort of put him out of the game for a while. People were saying who, who that tackled he, you? Uh, what, who, what team did this guy support? Uh, he supported Sunderland. Um, the, the team came. The team arrived. I won't name the school because I don't want to, you know, bandy that sort of thing around. But they arrived to play in a, a school-friendly game, and never was a title, so misused. And um, they all had Sunderland tops on. Sunderland's away kit from I think last season, possibly the, the light blue one, maybe the season before. Um, so they were all Mackhams, and we were obviously all uh, Newcastle fans. And uh, I don't think that's the reason. You know, I mean, there was no. I don't think there was any malice in the tackle. They very notably didn't uh, apologise for crocking me in, in several different areas. But you know, it's just one of those things. And, and yeah, so it was a Sunderland fan. So it was sort of added a little bit of uh, spice to the occasion, I suppose. Did you play well before that? Well, I suppose insofar as I didn't do anything wrong. But the problem was, it was about four minutes, five minutes into the game. I think it can't have been more than that. Um, so I really only had one, I'd chased down one long ball, which I was never really going to catch, and my lack of pace was exposed for the world to see, uh, really was shocking, and in fact, it's, it's a relief in a sort of um, perverse way that I did have to stop playing after five minutes, because I was already exhausted, and I may well be only alive today, because I stopped playing, um, well, unfortunately, of course, it does mean that I'm in a bit of pain now, but uh, yeah, it was amazing how unfit I was, because I remember saying to you after Darlington, the game at Darlington uh, Arena, just how... Um, tired I felt within seconds of starting you know I was so out of shape and uh, it was very much the same on Friday night so yeah I, I played insofar as you know I chased a couple of balls down and won a couple of headers um, so I suppose you couldn't say I played badly but uh, like I say I hadn't really enough time to really stamp my mark on the game and really make the kind of impression for which I'm so famous for example volleying over from three yards or you know something like that It's amazing that you, you say you're not fit because I was able to witness first hand 
your pre-match fitness regime when you very kindly, <laughs> very kindly invited me over for dinner. Yes. Uh, a number of yes. bloggers will say, well, if you were over for dinner, why didn't you record a live log and we have to listen to this pish? But, uh, <laughs> yeah. There was a number of reasons that go in the way of that, most notably uh, women. Yes. Um, which sounds like it was a bit of a kind of uh, khaki situation, but it, it wasn't. Um, oh, you missed a chance for a great joke there. What, what a, uh, a, the jeans-related joke. Yeah. T- yeah. Tell it later on and people will have forgotten that. That's a good point, yeah. Shall I just tell it now? Yeah, go on then. Even though they'll already know the, the punchline. Yeah. Um, what jeans do wife swappers wear? I don't know, Hal. What jeans do wife swappers wear? Car keys. <laughs> so yeah, you can obviously catch up. Women don't usually <laughs> see punchlines coming, so maybe they'll still have found that amusing. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, told amazing. You, I told you other joke last night. We had some friends around last night. And uh, like on Thursday, it was a, a male-female situation. And I told the joke that I really liked and my other half, my beautiful yeah. other half, did not like. And I told it to this couple and the, the uh, female member of the couple did not like it. Yeah. And the guy really did. So I think maybe it's a guy's joke and, and, and maybe that's it. Do you want, do you want to share it? Yeah, well, are you are me taking credit for your joke? Yeah, in fact, after that, I've got a point to make. But go on, go with yours. Okay. So um, I'm not going to use the B word because that's, that's, that's part of the joke. No, it's not necessary, really. Not necessary. I might, I might say a different word instead. I might say a C word. Um, Listen, so, butcher my own material. Yeah. So I went through and uh, the wife asked me last night for an annulment. And I said, well, we've already got a small garden, you daft cow. <laughs> Brilliant. I love it. I think it's a really good joke. Um, but the, the girls didn't like it so much. Can I just point out, if any of you are sexist, misogynist overtones, I don't know. <laughs> if any of you go on Wikipedia. Uh, which is like Wikipedia, but sick, and uh, have a little look at some of the jokes on there. One of mine has made the front page, and it's it's not been put on by me. And I want to point out there that the credit must be given to And I, I can vouch for Hal on this, because I've heard this joke an awful long time you know, before. So it's, this is not a case of mistaken credit. This should be given to my... Uh to my co-presenter here. It, it happened very famously with a comedian, Gary Delaney, who actually um, sued because a whole his whole set was written down by a guy who went to his show and then put it on Stickopedia. And this has only happened with one of my jokes. And if you see it on there or you hear it anywhere else, it's mine. And it's uh, my best mate and I have known each other for ages. We used to be in a band together called Missing Cat. You probably saw the posters. <laughs> I really like it. Again, that's it. I very, I very much enjoy that joke. If you see it anywhere else, it's mine. So uh, anyway, that's slightly... Uh, that's Lauren Robert uh, covered. <laughs> yes. He's got a great goal against Everton at Goodison Park once, which is actually what Ben Arthur did as well, of course, this season. Um, uh, but yeah, he got very, he got very temperamental and very sort of stereotypically French, which I wouldn't usually say. But since we've been discussing the Daily Mail, uh, I feel kind of in good company, sort of just blaming an entire nation for the temperamental problems of one left winger. Well, actually, there's a. My God, if only Diana was here. <laughs> there's an interesting piece in World Soccer about the history of French tantrums and how it wasn't just the last World Cup. Um, it, it's been happening for, for years, you know, you can go um, really far back and, uh, and have a little look. I haven't got it in front of me at the moment, unfortunately, but it's a, quite an interesting piece and it does sort of highlight the fact that it's just a, a Mardi nation. It is part of the national stereotype, isn't it? And I tend to find that, while obviously a lot of national stereotypes are either ridiculous or completely overblown, certain aspects of them are always true, you know, the, the Germans are always famous for being efficient. And if you go to Germany, you know, things do run on time, things are efficient. The British are famous for having bad teeth and hating everybody that's not British. And, you know, personally speaking, I fill both those criteria. So I, I think perhaps, you know, there is some truth to it. So maybe the French are just naturally temperamental. It does lead to some positive sides. They have that kind of beautiful romantic nature as well. But uh, it can also be a little bit sort of irritating to we more sort of stoic British, I think. What about the, um, the stereotype for uh, the Hondurans? Well, they're very, very uh, questionable ethically, I think. <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> they've got quite a reputation for that. <laughs> I don't know. Ethic, ethically, not ethically. Though. <laughs> yeah, no, I did say that. Yeah, their, their morals are dubious, but um, I have no real problem with them. And uh, you know, well, maybe we'll have a new, uh, a new stereotype for the, the Honduran nation after this story has emerged. In Honduras, a goalkeeper shot a reporter who criticised his performance. Imagine if you shot everyone who criticised your performance. As well. Yeah, that would be uh, not enough bullets in the country. Exactly. Uh, Sol Carraza of uh, Sports Daily, Diaz. Um, do you know what Diaz means? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, was uh, interviewing uh, Montaga midfielder George Claros after training when keeper Donaldo Moral, interesting surname, it's spelled moral, uh, fired oh, at them oh. with an air rifle, hitting the reporter twice and his own player once. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, the reporter said... It's not like a Central American country to have some mental people in it. I mean, I know that we are sort of indulging national stereotypes, but South American and Central American football, it does seem to have this kind of association with violence and general air rifleage. I mean, Maradona famously uh, fired air rifles at reporters, didn't he? Yeah, we had that awful situation in in Colombia. Well, yeah, the Escobar thing. Absolutely. Did you see the Did you see the uh, footage of? I think you might have sent me actually the the guy who got the tattoo, yeah, of Escobar's shirt. Um, Brilliant. Yeah, well, sure. funny idea. He, he's going to regret that. But just, just to conclude this, yeah, what I love about this is the president of the club involved has said he was, quote-unquote, preparing to punish Morales. <laughs> right, so he hasn't done it yet. You've got to think of the appropriate punishment, surely, for that. Uh, I mean, I would say that one's a no-brainer, I was to coin an American term. Uh, you know, he should be sacked, obviously, and never be allowed to play football again. No. And, and his teammate apparently is okay with this. The guy who got shot. You know, just right. one of those things. One of those things. It probably is. I mean, there's a famous story about Rene Higuita, famous Colombian goalkeeper, who, um, you know, when you think of it, we, we had our Save Adrian Mutu fund because he got fined, you know, whatever it was, 17 million euros for, for the cocaine thing, and he got banned for a year, I think, was it? Banned for a year, and then he's obviously there's been repercussions since then. Higuita got caught in a Colombian league game, uh, in the Colombian league, sorry, supplying and taking cocaine. Do you know what his uh, ban was? No. Four matches. <laughs> It's almost almost an arbitrary punishment, and they're kind of, well, we better give him something, but let's be honest, it's not that big a deal over here, so, you know, um, maybe it's just, maybe it is one of those things in, in Honduras, I don't know. Well, if you talk, you want to stick with sort of drugs and, and all that reference, there is, um, do you remember um, Byron Moreno? Uh, I remember the name, I don't really remember much else, to be honest. Ecuadorian referee, who um, wasn't too popular with the Italian nation, uh, right. following the 2002 World Cup match between Italy and South Korea. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, well, uh, he was famously shown with Delivio in his face and he's just completely ignoring him and then uh, booking left, right and centre. Well, he has been in quite a bit of bother and I can't imagine any feeling more terrifying than when you, as this guy did, have um, drugs strapped to your body in an airport and suddenly you get that tap on your shoulder. I mean, the sweat must be incredible. Yeah, it must almost ruin the drugs, I would think. (laughs) You have six kilos of heroin strapped to your body. (laughs) <laughs> wow, so not not a small. Uh, no, this is a JFK's airport, and I mean, if JFK was still around, he'd be he'd be pretty annoyed at that. Uh, but I, I they're really annoyed that he didn't have access to it. To <laughs> really, that's the thoughts of Paul Stavely. Uh, the really interesting thing here. <laughs> Other podcasts are available, but just it's nothing to do. Obviously, this is nothing to do with Giovanni Trapattoni. No, right. Well, he's he's had to come out. He was a, he was the coach at the time during the 2002 World Cups. You might remember. Yeah, and he says. Now, maybe my reign on Italy's bench will be read under a different light. Yeah, maybe <laughs> an allergen light. Um, but that's, that's bizarre that he would, he would that think is. that his whole tenure would be remembered differently because a bloke who's now been retired for about ten years 
had six kilos of uh, heroin strapped to his body. I don't really see the correlation there. But and uh, let's be honest, who among us hasn't gone through an airport with six kilos of heroin strapped to them? I mean, you know, <laughs> why? Just last week. Um, no, it's, <laughs> it's getting away with it. It's the thrill. Exactly. It? It's a large amount of heroin to be caught with. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Now, um, have you got anything you'd like to add in terms of um, things that people want to talk about on the Facebook site. I know that uh, why is Gareth Barry let within a 20-mile radius of the football pitch was posted by Chris Lovejoy. And you it expressed. was. Yeah, well, Logger Chris got in touch with me last night as well, talking uh, during um, during X Factor, to say that Page looked basically like Ledley King if he'd let himself go, which made me laugh loud enough to put it on the uh, Facebook update. And it was, um, yeah, I mean, Ledley King's injured, that's unfortunate. Other things that Chris wanted to talk about, Gareth Barry's performance for England. I mean, somebody asked us to talk about, on Twitter, uh, England's performance in general against Montenegro. And, and just how bad it was, because they were missing their star player. Um, he pulled out sort of the day of the game, Vucinic, is it, with a with a hamstring injury. So, and they still managed to frustrate us to a sort of nil-nil draw. And I think finally there are some people in the journalistic uh, sphere who are trying to reassess England's standing in the world game. Because Phil McNulty on the on the BBC website wrote a blog about how we're clearly now a, a second class, a second tier European nation. You know, and um, it sort of feels a little bit weird to think of England like that because since we were kids we've been brought up with this idea that England are a big team in, in world football and we've always sort of been hovering around the top 10 of, of the world teams but actually you know you, you look at the squad that we put out the other night and obviously there were some injuries and there were some uh, there were some problems but you have to say that that is not a top 10 um, looking team that we were able to put out on the, on the bench you know we were very very short of options so I think perhaps it's just time for us to all accept that we are capable of getting to these tournaments and that maybe the quarterfinals kind of area isn't such a, a bad thing after all. Absolutely, I would go along with all of that, yeah. So, um, when we look at the things that people have suggested, do you, do you always look at these and think, oh God, here we go, another load of idiots asking us to talk about all sorts? Or do you think, oh, I just welcome this um, mindless suggestion? No, I love it because the thing is, you know, there's always things going on in football, so there's so much stuff going on that you don't know really what, what you should and shouldn't talk about. So in a way, obviously, I mean, I know some people kind of put things down as a joke and that's fine because you know everybody does a bit of banter and all the rest but but people do make suggestions that are worth talking about you know and I mean in terms of England's performance I'd switch off after the first half and it's dull it's dull watching England I knew it was going to be dull yeah. I actually found myself rooting for Serbia well somebody somebody um, somebody had uh, tweeted in saying if we don't score early we won't score and I think that's that's very accurate. I mean, you, you have to look at if England had gone a goal up early on in the game, because they did look lively, I guess, in the opening few minutes, if we'd somehow managed to convert that into a goal, perhaps then, obviously, it forces Montenegro to come out of their shell a little bit more and it maybe makes a bit more space. But the fact is we are struggling to break teams down. And we did it, you know, obviously we saw it in the World Cup with the USA and Algeria. Um, and we saw it with Slovenia as well in the World Cup, even though we won that game once we'd scored the goal. In, you know, we scored relatively early then and we, we then didn't really... Um, Look well. I mean, we looked likely to score insofar as we were probably the better side, but you wouldn't say we peppered their goal with shots, you know. And then obviously against Germany, we came unstuck in a in a massive way. So perhaps it's not that all that surprising that you know now we're in the qualification campaign. We've had two good results, but um, that doesn't mean that we're suddenly a great side again. And uh, it's a shame because you know you sort of want your national team to do well, um, but the expectation is so massive and the and the pressure from the press is so massive that it's almost you know you can imagine it never really coming to fruition again until we start reassessing our expectations of this national team. I don't know, what do you think? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I find myself watching it a bit like a neutral and thinking like, you know, on a Sunday, like today, we've yeah. got some cracking games on and we're a neutral, both of us involved. Yeah. If they want it simultaneously, you'd say, oh, which game should I watch? 
Yeah. Well, we had that situation. Scotland played Spain, and I felt afterwards like I watched the wrong game. Yeah, definitely. definitely. That looked like an absolute belter. Yeah, well, I mean, the Scotland under-21 match against Iceland earlier in the week, that was uh, notable as well, wasn't it? I mean, you, you posted it onto Facebook, and I'd spotted it as well. Chris Maguire's goal. Um, Scotland lost 3-1, I think. Is that is 3-1, right? Uh, I think it was 4-2 on aggregate. 4-2 on aggregate, and it was 3-1 on the night. And um, But Chris Maguire scored a, a wonderful goal for Scotland. I think it was 2-1 on the night. Oh, was it? I'm not sure. 4-2 on aggregate. Let's stick with that. All right, let's stick with that. At any rate, one of those two Scottish goals uh, on aggregate came from the halfway line and um, was a, a real. I mean, it was literally straight from kickoff, wasn't it? So it wasn't even uh, like from the halfway line, in, you know, in the midst of play. Uh, and you very rarely see that at any sort of high level of football. I mean, you know, there's YouTube clips full of them from the you know the Norwegian eighth division or whatever, but you don't tend to see that in something like an under twenty one international. But it was a lovely little moment and really good for him, I say. And then the the, the senior game, of course. Um, Scotland, according to one uh, according to one guy on Radio One who was interviewed the next day, came back from two goals down to draw with Spain. Which uh, <laughs> he says not many teams can say they've come back from two nil down to draw with Spain. And I just thought, well, that's true. And Scotland also can't say that. But it was you know it was a much more sterling performance. I think the Scottish uh, fans were prouder of their team losing than we were of our team drawing. And I think that says it all really. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, maybe you said we should be changing the way that we look at the England side, and um, things probably won't change until we do that. Would you say we should maybe call up Rowan Ricketts? I, I'd have no problem with that. Friend of the log, Rowan Ricketts, I'd have no problem with that whatsoever. Well, R- Rowan Ricketts is, is a friend of a lot of people because he needs to be so he can get a club to play for. <laughs> uh, Rowan's had a, a bit of a, a checkered career. A strange remember, career, isn't it? Do you remember him playing in the Premiership? Yeah, I, I remember very because he was sort of very sporadic in the Premiership. Turned up, turned out for Spurs and Arsenal and Wolves, I uh, seem to recall. Right, yeah, he's um, had a real checkered past. But actually, turned out for Arsenal, he never played a Premiership game. He won a Premiership right. in the league, but uh, obviously against Man United, so they they they, they saw big things. But in, when uh, Pleats arrived at Tottenham, because he, he was one of those few players to actually make the transition, the arch rival transition. Although mm-hmm. I think it went slightly under the radar, not quite Sol Campbell-esque. No, sure. Uh, the other way as well but uh, he actually played 30 league games with Spurs scoring one goal and after that it was just a kind of pitter-patter of, of, of lower league clubs because he went out to Toronto as well didn't he yes he did with uh, Lauren Robert he also played yeah. and now he's in Moldova is that right that's absolutely correct he's playing for and I might pronounce this incorrectly Dacia Chisinau right and uh, that's yeah, I think that was probably in, I don't know what it is correctly but I think it's probably not that it's definitely wrong because there's actually two eyes in it, so that could be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. <laughs> there's no way that was correct. Uh, okay. But he's a brilliant website, which I'm subscribing to now. He's, he's writing for the Sabotage Times. Are you familiar with their work? Yeah, I've seen a couple of his articles, actually. Well, they're brilliant. They're really... I mean, he gets right into the crux of the matter, and I, I suppose because it's old news, he can talk about idiots like David Pleat um, the way he does. And uh, he says that police came in, made it a real hostile environment, wasn't fond of me for reasons that he never really knew. As time passed, he began to see what his former manager, Glenn Hoddle, had warned him about. As uh, so he'd gone from being in the regular Tottenham side, England under 21, had a phone call from Sven congratulating him on his progress. So then, Pleat come in, and, and Rowan wasn't even on the bench. Yeah. It's strange, isn't it, how... I mean, I don't, I, obviously, we only know it from one side, and um, I don't know how much you... You know how much you sort of read into these things, but it's it's weird how players they sort of come up through the ranks and under the right stewardship can really flourish and all this potential, and then suddenly one wrong move or one kind of managerial change that they didn't see coming anyway, and the whole thing can be scuppered. And it, there must be reasons. I mean, you, 
surely if he was if he was that great, I, I don't know. I mean, because I don't really remember enough about Rowan Ricky's performances. I remember him being a decent looking player, but you know, obviously, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And suddenly, it seems really strange that somebody who was making such progress could suddenly stall so quickly. It's a real shame. Wolves fans, get in touch. You saw the most of him. Uh, was he actually any good, or uh, just uh, completely hopeless? I mean, the thing is. You know you say that, yeah, different clubs, different managers, players can flourish. Uh, did you watch Match of the Day last night? Yes. You might have seen Alexander Kleb lining up against Arsenal. Yes, you? I did, yeah. What a player he was at Arsenal. Mm. And it's kind of all gone wrong. Well, he some, again made a move to a club that he was never, I mean, not ne- not never, I guess, but a club where he was never going to be first team, you know, Barcelona are a team that are very well, fairly well settled, I think, and, and, and insofar as the midfield, at that stage, he was never going to get in ahead of the players they had. So, would you say it was similar to Emmanuel Petit in terms of his move well, to Barcelona? Well, yeah, brilliant at Arsenal and couldn't cut it at Barca, and, and we couldn't really understand it having seen him in the Premiership. Yeah, I mean, I I think Petit was probably better than Hleb was um, for his time. I, I don't know, but um, yeah, I think it's a similar thing. You know, sometimes certain environments, it's not always just a case of oh, they're a bigger club, or they're more likely to win something, therefore I should go there, because that's not always how it works. I mean, the start of this season, Club didn't ever even have a squad number at uh, Barcelona, so he obviously wasn't, you know, forefront of their minds. And, and now somewhere like Birmingham, perhaps it will be, if he's the big fish in the smaller pond, if he can recreate some of that form, perhaps he will, you know, start to get it back, and his confidence will grow, and with that, maybe his performances, I guess. And if not, uh, loggers who've listened to us from the very start will know that his mum is a bricklayer. I just get her <laughs> on the case. I'm sure she can have a word. And sort it all out. I'm sure she can. Do you, do you remember uh, there's some really interesting um, players who've uh, become managers, and some uh, not so interesting players uh, that have become managers? Do you remember uh, Ify Anora? Yeah. We actually saw him playing in uh, the Hand Stadium. We did in Clevedon. In Clevedon for uh, Sheffield United in a pre-season friendly. What well, a game! Uh, what a game! Do you know what Scotland-born Ify is doing now? I do not know. He's become the manager of Ethiopia. Really? <laughs> yeah. It didn't go well in his. Uh, Coaching debut, four-one uh, home defeat to. Uh, yeah. Get, yeah, that's unfortunate. Not I. I don't really make imagine being. <laughs> no, not really, not particularly, and so not manager of Scotland then, because I know they got Craig Levine in now, but they did seem to have a, a vacancy at the time. Yeah, I don't think if he's ever going to be manager of Scotland, call me crazy. But if you've uh, not started your international pedigree that well uh, with four-one no. home, defeat. although Ethiopia, not a superpower even in the African Nations Cup, and I think they've never uh, even qualified. I wonder if that's a sort of, I, I don't know, obviously sort of money-wise or anything, but and I presume he's got some sort of link with Ethiopia, but I wonder if that is a sort of fairly cushy job, because in a way, like, there can't be any expectation level. I mean, Ethiopians have got bigger problems than whether their football team's playing well. But, you know, hopefully... Has. Well, such as, you know... <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't believe you're going to go any further. Well, I'm just, I'm just thinking, I mean, if Geldof and Bono turned up on my doorstep every three years or whatever it is, you know, I'd just be furious. And um, <laughs> But, it, you know, they've obviously got all that to worry about. So I think there can't be any expectations. So if they do well, they're exceeding everything. And if they don't, then nobody was expecting them to anyway. So maybe maybe there is some sort of enjoyment to be had there. I don't know. It does have to go to Ethiopia, though. True. Um, but, you know, maybe they'll be welcoming the, a, a new face that isn't Geldof and Bono. So I don't know. Covered in mosquito bites. <laughs> yeah. Um, Welcome we to the Alan Cullenfall <laughs> political correctness log. Should we talk about Sac Le Bleu? Yes. <laughs> let's let's do that. For a joke that you gave me at the start, which I've now stolen. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, France on the slide, aren't they? They've yeah, uh, they've dropped down the FIFA rankings to lowly twenty seventh. Yeah. The lowest position since nineteen ninety three, when I mean, um, the very Cantona played them. They they were awful at the World Cup, and they have been awful at tournaments for a little while now. Um, 
I think I think they were possibly worse at this World Cup than they've than I've than I've ever seen them. Uh, just because of the, I mean, World Cup 2002 was fairly awful, and it was especially bad considering that they were the reigning world and European champions at the time. Um, but yeah, just thinking back, it's only 1998. It's only sort of 12 years ago that they were, you know, the best team in the world, and then they followed that up with the European Championship win. So they were kind of on the same sort of level that Spain are on now. And uh, and yet, in just that time, they seem to have completely imploded in, in a way that I don't think any of us really saw coming. And they've got decent players. I mean, you look at the French side, and on, on games like, you know, you see your football games come out, and there's FIFA, and France are rated very highly because the players are so good. And yet, yeah, they, they, they won, won twice years. last week. I mean, they did win twice last week, and that's obviously maybe the start of a renaissance. But then, you know, England won twice in, in preparing to qualify, didn't they? So it doesn't necessarily mean anything. Yeah. Do you know who's above France? I mean, not... Not sort of directly above, but just some of the surprise nations. That you I, no, I don't. You've got the likes of the Ukraine. Right, okay. Australia. Really? Russia. Yeah, Russia, I can believe. Ivory Coast. Uh-huh. Turkey. Yeah, I never know where Turkey get that from. I, I don't have any record of them being a great side, but I suppose they finished third in 2006, didn't they? So, or 2002, probably sorry. Probably enough. Uh, but there's also Switzerland. Oh, yeah. Uh, Marcel will be liking this. Ghana are in 20th position. Oh, right. Even France, where before the World Cup, they were only 21st. So Ghana right, doing okay. exceptionally on the back of that. In fact, uh, former France captain Marcel Lefebvre has expressed his interest in being the manager of Ghana. Really? Well, of course, Ghana Ghana ought to have been World Cup quarter-finalists. They only got knocked out because of a horrendous piece of cheating disaster. Um, and so, you know, they, I suppose you'd have to say that they, they did out. They outshone France and England, really. I'm going to surprise you with the rest of these names. I'll just throw them out there. But, I mean, I cannot believe any of these nations would beat France. I don't okay. know. I probably would have said that about Belarus. But we've got um, <laughs> Slovenia. Yeah. Slovakia. Yeah. Paraguay. Yeah, Paraguay are decent. Norway. Norway. Norway have never been decent. Norway. Uh, also, also got Chile, who are in 10th in the, in the world rankings. Really? Bizarre. They are doing quite well. Bielsa's got them playing a nice compact formation, but I'm not sure 10. And then this one really surprises me. In the top 10, at number 9, Egypt. Really? Wow. Well, they, I mean, they've, they've won the last, is it the last three, or they had won three in a row, I think, the African Cup of Nations, but they didn't even come to the World Cup this time. Yeah, that's not exactly what I was thinking. It, it really is very, very surprising. They've done exceptionally well in the African Cup of Nations, the 2006, 2008, 2010 winners. And yeah. they've got a good track record. In the World Cup, though, um, third and fourth, you know, it hasn't even happened for them. Um, they beat mm. the World Cup 2006, I think. How, how, did they, how well did they do that? I seem to remember them. I don't remember. I, I remember we we had them in our group in 1990, um, and Mark Wright header, a Mark Wright header from a Paul Gascoigne free kick. But uh, we beat them one 0 It was the only goal that we scored in the. It was the only match that we won. Sorry, in the whole group stage. Um, but I don't remember. Uh, I don't particularly remember them doing anything at any of the World Cups since then. But. I, you know, maybe I, I don't know to what degree. I guess the European Championship would count for a lot for a team in in Europe. So I guess the African Cup of Nations must count for a lot in the African rankings, I suppose. If you won three of the last your your uh, your competitions, you'd expect to be up there. Just to complete, yeah. people are searching feverishly online to see who is in the top five of the FIFA World Rankings. I will save you the time. I'm guessing Spain are number one, are they? Yeah, you've got Spain number one. Who do you think will be number two? Brazil, probably. Actually, Holland, probably because of the uh, World oh, Cup. Oh, of course, yeah, because of the World Cup final. have to be second best, don't you, really, if you get to the World Cup final and uh, yeah. finish second. We've also got uh, Germany. Yeah. Brazil in fourth. Oh, really? They have slid, slid down the rankings at uh, one place. 
Right. I think Germany would still beat Brazil. I know they're having a bit of a renaissance, but I still think that would happen. Uh, that would be a game I'd like to watch. I must admit, Germany-Brazil would be a good match. England not in the top five. Argentina have uh, not ousted us. They've stayed exactly where they were. And, uh, England have actually gone above Uruguay, which I, I don't really know why. Uh, no. For our last few results. Um, I actually think Uruguay would give us a good game. I think Uruguay would probably give us a very good game insofar as, for them, it would be a good game because they would beat us. You might notice there's a massive nation with a glaring omission. So who have we, we've not had? We've, we've had Brazil, Spain, uh, Germany, Holland, Argentina, it's Italy. It's superpower. Italy, absolutely. Well done. That's uh, 13th now dropping. Wow. Enormously. We've got Greece, Croatia, all above them. So a uh, real surprise. Of course, their World Cup was disastrous. I mean, absolutely disastrous. But then... I mean, Greece's wasn't brilliant, was it? So you'd have to say... I would think Italy would, would, would hammer Greece. I, I, I don't like Greece's game plan. I enjoyed it when they won the Euros, but it wasn't great to watch. I think Italy might beat Greece if they could get more than seven minutes into a game. I mean, obviously my game the other night got curtailed after seven minutes, but the rest of the game carried on. It was just my personal journey that came to an end. Uh, but the Italy-Serbia match, didn't, was it six minutes, seven minutes that it lasted last Wednesday? Yeah. yeah and yeah, yeah. Uh, due, to, yeah, due to crowd violence, in fact... Logger Chris, Chris Lovejoy, who was, who was posting online the other day, uh, he is off to see Spurs play in the San Siro on Wednesday night. Uh, and I think his um, very lovely better half is not over the moon about that, having heard about the rioting at the Italy match. But I don't think the San Siro is as famous for that kind of crowd trouble as, as, as places like the Della Alpi and, and that. No, absolutely. I think it, it will be totally different. I mean, it has to be. Yeah, and also, I mean, like, due respect to Spurs, but I don't think Inter Milan, you know, they're, they're not a massive European side in, or a massive rival of Milan's, so I can't see that being a a, a major flare-up, I hope. I guess what we should do now, Paul, is uh, have a little look at uh, yesterday's action. Yes, indeed. Well, let's turn our attention to the biggest and best and brightest league in the whole universe ever, courtesy of Sky Sports, uh, the English Premier League. What can, we te- what can you tell us about the uh, Thrillsville that went on there? Well, I have to say, um, thanks very much to Man United for ruining my accumulator. Uh, <laughs> real surprises, weren't there? Yeah, some massive ones. I mean, I, I, I'm really, I'm, I am torn a little bit because I sort of hope that West Brom might struggle with us this season to, and we might be able to finish above them. But I'm really pleased to see them doing so well because they are. The problem is that later in the season, I think they probably will come unstuck if they continue to play attacking football the way they're doing, because that's what happens to teams. It happened to Hull, it happened to Wigan. I remember when they came up, they were second in the league for a while, and then they got found out. You know, it'll happen to Blackpool, but but it's great to see them doing it, and I really have a lot of admiration for Di Matteo. To, to go to two, Old Trafford and go 2-0 down is a position from which a lot of teams, a lot of major teams, would call it a day and give up the ghost, you know. And it just goes to show that maybe Mick McCarthy was wrong, you know, when he when he picked that weak side against against Man United, I I personally didn't have a problem with that at all, and I thought that far too much fuss was made of it. But it just goes to show if you keep plugging away. I mean, I know they got I know they got the the second goal pretty much handed to them, but they did earn that point, you know, and it was great to see. I think Man United were a different prospect when Mick McCarthy did that. They really do seem to have something slightly wrong. Yeah, there I mean, is. I'd love to have Man United's problems, but you know what I mean. Yeah, well, there's, there's dissolution in the in the ranks, isn't it? I mean, this thing with Rooney and his ankle injury. Uh, I mean, let me tell you, I could tell him a couple of things about ankle injuries, but we're when he um, he's just is there a story out. that you haven't related to your slight injury? You say slight injury, but I'm taking a leave out of your book when you used to describe everything as career threatening. Uh, and even though my career is uh, teaching, and you don't really need my uncle for that, although it's helpful to be running after the kids who've you know been rude and that. It's um, yeah, I think it is a career threatening injury. I may never play football again, which would be the, for the good of the game without a doubt. And uh, I think the I think only thing that would be annoying there is you bought some new trainers specifically for this. <laughs> 
Well, what had happened was I bought these new trainers uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I wanted to play on the Friday, but unfortunately I had a stomach bug and I was very unwell, and I couldn't go into school because I was, you know, basically glued to uh, the nearest available sick receptacle. And um, so I thought, well, I've wasted all this money on the, on these trainers. They weren't they weren't hugely expensive, but they were expensive enough, you know. Uh, and then this week I thought, oh, brilliant. Man out of York. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, short arms and deep pockets. And I thought, right, well, I, I can finally wear them. So got into school on Friday feeling feeling fine, you know, obviously out of shape but ready for a bit of a kickabout. Pulled my uh, new boots on and they got six minutes of uh, action. And so altogether that's five pounds per minute uh, that these shoes have cost me. And I haven't really played much better. So I'm hoping that I get to wear them uh, in a few in a few weeks' time when I'm back on my feet, at least to uh, give them a proper run out. Yeah. What was I talking about then? Something else. I, I think we were talking about the Premier League, but we'll just. Um, oh, you were talking about. I was talking about relating it to my ankle injury. Yeah, the Rooney thing is a real worry for Man United, and I know that a lot of people talked about this, and, and it's been covered from pillar to post, I imagine. But it is a real genuine concern that he's now openly called Alex Ferguson a liar, which is what he's done. I mean, he didn't say that, but that's what he's done. And you know, Ferguson's never been one to take um, that kind of. Uh, behaviour particularly well and, and Rooney's been out of sorts this season ever since really he picked up the first ankle injury against Bayern Munich last last year he's been out of sorts for England and for Manchester United so I wonder if he, this may well test Ferguson's resolve to sell the players that defy him because um, he's a big player for Man United but there's a lot of talk about him maybe going to Real Madrid with Karim Benzema coming the other way which I wanted to talk to Offside Sarah about and I forgot to um, drop her a line uh, to see if we, she could give us her opinion on that so I might tweet her about it later but you know, Benzema has been somebody that has sort of, again, stalled at Real Madrid. Big, big prospect when he played at Lyon and, and now isn't looking like the same player. But Man United were after him uh, that summer that he went to Madrid. So maybe there's a, a swap deal in the balance there. I mean, it happened to uh, Klaus Jan Huntelaar as well, didn't make the grade at yep. uh, Real. Uh, but he was pleased to know, fans, that uh, big Klaus is uh, now applying his trade up front with Raul for Schalke. Yeah, and uh, you know he's done he's done well. He's been scoring for Holland as well, hasn't he? He's been he's been knocking them back for Holland as well. He's got a fantastic record. I mean, his international record it speaks for itself. Uh, before he joined Schalke, or Schalke, I know you're supposed to pronounce Schalke, it. Schalke, yeah. It was it was 21 goals in 38 games internationally. Not bad. Yeah. Not too shabby, but that is kind of similar statistic to Peter Crouch, and and, and I I don't have a particular problem with Crouchy, but I would say that there is no disguising that he's not a world class striker. And well, speaking he, of Peter Crouch, yeah, um, yeah I, I get your point, so that's why I cut it off. Um, Thanks. <laughs> yeah, your thoughts on Peter Crouch, obviously very similar to Henry Rednaus, because uh, Pablo yes. Schenker started in place of him. Uh, he did, did the business, but that's not the, the key point from that game. Uh, if you uh, go on the BBC website, you'll see a really funny bit that's just a beaming Huddleston, and it just says, Huddleston backed referee. Well, he would. Well, uh, yeah, what, what a surprise. <laughs> what were your thoughts? Let's get it decisive now. Was it or wasn't it? Should it have been given or not? Well, it's a massive... It's the perhaps one of the most grey areas of, of football, isn't it? This this whole interfering with play, not interfering. And I think it's rarely been so well illustrated as it was by Galas yesterday. Because in a way, uh, Alan Shearer said, is Schwartz going to save it anyway? And it, it didn't look much like he would. But of course, if Galas is there and he does stick his leg out, does that affect Schwartz's timing? Because he knows that if Galas makes contact with that, it's going to go the other way. So, you know, I, obviously you can't... Um, speculate on players' mental states and what they might have been thinking or might not have been thinking. The fact was that he was he was offside. I mean, it was very, very marginal, but he was. And yet he didn't touch the ball and he wasn't in the goalkeeper's uh, line of sight when the shot was hit. So I, I don't know, really. I, I think either decision, you've got to find a way to agree with it. I, would have, I don't think he could have complained too harshly if it had been ruled out. 
because he was right in front of the goalkeeper by the time the ball got to him. But at the same time, you know, the letter of the law is the letter of the law. And if he wasn't interfering, if that's what counts as interfering with players in touching the ball or, or directly obstructing the goalkeeper, then he wasn't. So, you know, I feel I think Fulham can probably feel a bit hard done by it. And I think Spurs could probably feel like they got away with it a little bit. But, you know, I've seen worse decisions in games, that's for sure. I think Mike Dean just didn't want to see Gallas storm all the way up the pitch <laughs> and sit down and the centre circle. Yeah, yeah it could the, have been. Uh, assistant referee was uh, Mike Yearby, and he's the one that flagged for offside. He saw Gallas drift past that last man. Right. And he's the one that with Mike Dean. I mean, I, I could sort of lip read it, couldn't you? There was a little bit of uh, Mike Dean suggesting that uh, he wasn't interfering and uh, do you think he got a touch on it? And, and Yearby sort of said, oh, I don't know. And I think that that grey area, as you mentioned there, we're not talking about Mark Hughes' hair was um, was enough after that lengthy pitch side chat yeah. to make it make it given. And, and I personally, I'm all for it. I want to see goals given. Yeah. Even if there is an element of doubt. And I think I think the um, you know there, there wasn't a foul committed in the sense that he you know Gallas was holding the keeper or you know all of that stuff. And and also like you say you you want at least he went to talk to his assistant. They they thought it through. They made an informed decision. And that's what you do want to see. You don't want to see you know like the uh, the West Ham goal that was disallowed you kind of feel the speed at which the referee disallowed it for handball. And I thought it did look like handball in the first replay. But, you know, there was no kind of um, discussion about that. It was just ruled out straight away. And, and at the end of the day, you know, this is one that video technology can't clear up because you you look at it on video technology and you still have to make a judgment call as to whether or not he was interfering with play. So I suppose for all the arguments of video technology, which I, I'm in favour of in a lot of ways. No, I'm not. Yeah, I, I know you're not. You could, You certainly couldn't clear up that Spurs goal. Um, and it would have been hard, I think, to clear up the West Ham goal, to be honest. Um, so, you know, maybe uh, maybe there is a decent point for that. The thing about West Ham, I'm not a bitter man. But, uh, no, I've noticed that. I've noticed all that. the way back to our season when we were relegated, West Ham had uh, two dubious goals given at Blackburn, you might remember. One that didn't cross the line. I only remember it because you don't shut up about it ever. Don't shut up. Well, finally some payback. I mean, yeah, it didn't handball it. When you saw it from the other angle behind the goal, yeah, he clearly chested it. And it was the last action of the game. So, yeah, um, it was the last kick, wasn't it? It would have been a lovely goal as well. Two one twos in a single move. I always love that. Yeah, there was a great opportunity for Mark Yates to score goal of the season actually yesterday in our three all draw. And we will move seamlessly away from your chat about Newcastle into the championship. Yes. And uh, when we were two uh, one, Yates took a wonderful pass which was too high for him. Controlled it brilliantly in the instep, uh, then volleyed it over Gaza sort of style, and uh, literally volleyed it over the defender. I mean, and yeah. as it was coming down smashed it just over the bar, I mean, from just inside the box, and it would have been a wonder goal. It would have been one that people would have spoken about, or at the very least, Manish would have said, what do you think of that, Steve? And it would have been enough yeah, for me to Rather excited. That was a shame. That would have been cracking. Some interesting results in the Championship. Yeah, I mean, we just before, I mean, I know you said we'd move away from our Newcastle chat, but since I didn't say anything about Newcastle yet, can I just at least start... By um by saying that I don't know how, I don't know if you feel this as well about the Burnley match but I don't know how to feel about the game yesterday because obviously I'm pleased that we didn't lose I'm pleased that we came back from two nil down and I'm equally annoyed that we went two nil down at home to a team that have been you know erratic to say the least this season so I don't, yeah, we both went two nil down at home didn't we yeah we it's a bit of a mixed bag really when you come back to draw from that position that you should never have found yourself in how do you feel about it do you feel do you sort of put it behind you and go well at least we didn't lose or do you sort of look at the bigger picture I don't know. Certainly no insomnia in the games uh, that we were watching. No, for I, sure. I suppose it was worse for you, wasn't it? Because it was an ex-player who left under a bit of a cloud that scored two belters. Yeah. A bit like, uh, oh, ouch. But for us, we did have the Brian Laws factor. So there was like, oh, we can't lose again to Burnley because, of course, the last yeah. time was in the playoff final. And by the way, if this game had been that playoff final, you'd have, you'd have happily sat through the traffic when you got out of Wembley. Yes, I would, yeah. 
it was an amazing game. And the, I brought the wife with me, and actually she made some interesting points. Uh, I suppose one of those, actually, is if, if we are going back and forth to the Premiership, which she, she believed in the um, Bolton-Stoke game, mm-hmm. that uh, Klasnic should not have been sent off. Really? And I disagreed with that quite quite strongly. She said um, when, I think it was Matty Taylor, was being hauled to the ground, yeah. and Klasnic sort of... Uh, grabbed the uh, Stoke lad by the throat and then sort of pushed his face away in a kind of slapping gesture. Yeah. Um, the wife said, oh, well, um, he's just doing that to help his teammate. They should both be given a yellow card. And I, maybe I don't really disagree with that, but I think when you raise your hand, I mean, he only did get a yellow, but there's probably a precedent set that actually that, that's enough. For I, well, I, I'd heard that he'd been sent off in the game, and I thought that was what it was for when I saw that happen initially. I, did, I thought it would be a straight red. Um, whether or not I would have agreed with that, I don't know, but I, I thought that that would be enough to warrant a straight red, yeah. Yeah, so I think we both, we both sort of agree with that. So, um, women, wrong. But um, <laughs> getting back to ours. Sponsored by the Daily Mail again. <laughs> three all. Uh, she she never really enjoys watching football. And yeah. had said to me before the game, this was her last ever match. She had enough. It's too boring. Right. I came out and was like, wow, that's the first time I've ever seen what you're on about. Yeah. Uh, and it, it had to, you had to be there, I suppose. Well, in fact, I was, um, I'd literally typed out, and I'd literally typed out a status for the Facebook group saying... Um, Gutted for me and Hal today, or Hal and I today, because I'm an English teacher. Um, you know, both both losing uh, at home because at the time it was like the 93rd minute of both games, and you were three two down, and we were um, two one down. And I I was just moving my mouse to press um, post when the uh, Sheffield United equaliser went in, so I thought I'd better change it to just me being gutted about the the Newcastle score. When then Colaccini uh, managed to actually do something right for a change. And, and score for us. So it was, you know, it does go to show that anything can happen. And it is, it is nice that that's still the case. Um, Hold the fans. Because I don't know about your game, but uh, the stadium was half empty. And I was, Maria was saying, let's go, let's go on board. And I was like, no, something's going to happen. I had a, and I also never liked leaving early anyway, as you no, know. Well, I mean, we talked about this, didn't we? And I, and I remember saying at the time, you know, you, if you're losing, you need to stay to the end. You need to support the, the team. You know, Chris Kamara was on Soccer Saturday saying that the, the St. James's Park was emptying. And, you do run the risk if you're only losing by a goal. I mean, if we'd been 6-0 down, even though I think you should still stay, I can understand beating that you're not going to win in, if you've got one minute left. But if you're, you know, Newcastle were playing all right and we were creating some chances, you're only 2-1 down. You, you know that anything can happen in the last minute. And um, I think a game like that, you know, you've got, you've got to stick it out. Yeah. I don't, also, I don't understand why people wouldn't do that, really. No, I've, I've never understood it. Uh, Chris Eagles, by the way, a player who was obviously yeah. a part player in the Premiership, looks absolutely quality now. I mean, really does look a Premiership quality. Uh, I know he's a bit of a fancy Dan Poser, and you might have seen the celebration when he scored the penalty. Which was I, I did, yeah. The bet that went down well. Never a penalty. And also, as well, on uh, the BBC, not that they ever get anything wrong, I should just point out, for anyone watching as a neutral, it wasn't uh, Urkel who fouled. In the box, it was Delat on loan from Manchester United. So, Magnus um, fans, that's what you've got to look forward to. There's a there's a friend of the log, a, a listener of ours, Dan, who um, is a bit of a Chris Eagles fan actually. So, uh, he'll have been pleased to see uh, him getting on the score sheet. And I, have, I mean, you always he's one of these players, Eagles, that you always hear good things about, but I, he never seems to have quite settled in in the, in, the, in the starting eleven. But he's and then, like you say, a bit part player in the Premiership. Is he maybe going to be a great Championship player uh, who can't quite make the step up? He did play for Sheffield Wednesday, which is probably the reason we dislike him so much. But um, just yeah, to through the, the championship, a few surprise results. I, uh, I'm happy to see Middlesbrough lose. I mean, you, you might be surprised at that because I hate Leeds. Yes. Um, I'm getting to that stage now where I probably dislike Borough even more. Really? Why is that? Oh, loads of reasons. Um, the, I think the way Strachan's gone about it, uh, I, don't, I don't like it. I don't think it's going to work. 
and I think it's the right way to do it. I also felt that Southgate shouldn't have been sacked. I think they probably been exactly the same position mm. as they are now with him still there, maybe even higher because at least the, the players seem to be behind him. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't really like that. Um, Cardiff beating Bristol City. I was going to start on this one. Bristol two nil up. Yes. Early on. Yeah. After it was after like twelve minutes or something, wasn't it? It was incredible. They've only got six points. I saw a Super John Stead, as I always mentioned to you, always a former player will score yeah. at least every game. <laughs> yeah. That was good to see. But then they, they contrived to lose. I mean, what's going on with Bellamy? Have I missed a meeting? Why, why is he not involved? Um, I don't know. I, I was trying to look into this because I don't think he uh, played for Wales in the in the defeat to Switzerland either. And I think it might be an injury, but I'm not entirely sure. Well, we do our, Don't let anybody say we don't do our research for this log. No, we, we do. I thought, I thought asking you was probably a bit of a long shot, but uh, yeah. Not involved at all. Um, Keogh, Andy Keyhole surgery, uh, he was only brought on as a late, late sub. You've got to be wondering, someone like that, he's got to be getting games at this stage in his career. And Brought on in the 90th minute for Cardiff. He's dropped down a league to get a first-team football. Can't get in in front of Bellamy, Chopra, Bothroyd. I don't think that was the right move for him. But well, I think you, you've got to look at those other options and think that if they are building a team to try and challenge for the Premiership, then they're probably going to go with one of those three. And... and, and Bearing, you know, barring unusual injury circumstances and the odd last-minute cameo, like you say. Um, but then I suppose you've got a question as well, where do you go? I mean, you, you can go somewhere to be promised first-team football, but if that means dropping down, if not another league, at least another sort of tier in the Championship, even though it is a very sort of evenly matched league. Yeah, um, everyone. And, that, and that's, you know, that's one of the things that people keep saying about the Championship. It keeps being proven true every, you know, nearly every week that genuinely anybody could beat anybody. And, and um, you know... Last season was kind of the same, although obviously Newcastle and, and, and QPR, uh, sorry, and West Brom um, kind of dominated their respective matches, and I'm sure that'll probably happen again this year with, with teams like QPR and Cardiff heading at the top end. But but around the rest of the table, you could go from bottom to the playoffs in the matter of three or four good matches, you know, and, and that's great. I think that's a, that's a brilliant um, indictment for the league. But like we've said before, it might also be because everybody's equally bad rather than being everybody's equally good. I don't know really. Well, let's have a quick prediction here. I think the next manager to be sacked in the Championship will be uh, Billy Davis of Forest. Uh, what do you reckon? Well, I wouldn't have said Davis. Straight. I mean, I, I was starting to wonder about uh, Strachan, to be honest. Um, I mean, I, I, Middlesbrough fans, the, the three or four of them that actually went to the game, were, were booing at half-time. Um, but, I mean, that's not anything particularly new, I suppose. That, that, I say that only because uh, Gibson sort of is quite loyal, whereas True. Forest know that Davis has fallen out with the directors there and things aren't going well, 15th in the league, yeah. after last season you expect them to push on and actually yeah. go automatic. It's not work. Well, it might be that he's made a rod for his own back again, like he did at Derby, which was, you know, kind of... I mean, I know a lot of people don't like Billy Davis, but also, you know, he, he sort of got them into the premiership too early and then they got hammered and, of course, he cost himself his own job in a way. And, and perhaps, you know, with last season having gone so well for them, the expectation levels obviously get ramped up and now they're looking at, you know... Perhaps not a, not a restructuring of the club, but they, they, they're looking at you know having to band down the hatches and, and grind results out in a way that they maybe didn't last year. So yeah, you might be, you might well be onto something there. Um, it's always there are, there strange. Managers just sacked, but it's, it's going to happen in it, so we may as well make a bet on it. There are loads of um, managers overachieving in the first season. Loads of examples, but reassuringly, there's managers who underachieve in the first season. And uh, Sven Goran Eriksson is back in amongst it. And uh, how do you think he's going to do at third from bottom Leicester? Oh, well, I think what he was probably told, do you want to come and manage a load of foxes? And he thought, well, I've been doing that pretty well so far. I, I don't know, really. It's an odd appointment, but I, I was talking to a Leicester fan on Twitter about this, and personally, I would, I would hope he does well, just because I find it very difficult to think of Sven as a football manager now. 
Like he, he seems to have sort of flitted between very well paid, very short term jobs, and and I think there is probably a good club manager still in there. I mean, he did an all right job at Man City, I thought, and and obviously he did well earlier in his career at Lazio and, and Rosenberg and places and Gothenburg, sorry. Um, so, but all this Notts County thing and the Ivory Coast thing, and kind of to a certain degree, the England, the way the England camp kind of you know became more about his tabloid life than than the uh, the football, kind of overshadows the fact that he was once a very capable man in his job. So you'd like to think that a club like Leicester would be a good place for him to start and remake his name almost. But I don't know. Is he going to stick it out if the going gets tough? Are they going to be able to afford him for a long-term contract? I don't, I don't really know how it'll go. Well, that's, that doesn't really answer the question. No. Oh. How do I think he'll do? I think he'll do... I hope he'll do well. I think he will probably not still be there next season. I'm going to go with uh, a real surprise. He said he needs to buy new players. Come February, yeah. I'm expecting to see Leicester around about 7th. Okay. Well, let's see, shall we? Yeah, let's, let's put our money where our mouth is. Only, now, only time will tell. Yeah, there, there was a, another surprise. Reading losing to uh, to Swansea at home. I was I was not predict. I, mean, I definitely didn't predict that again. I didn't help on the old accumulator. But <laughs> shall I tell you why? Shall I tell you why Reading lost? Yes, uh, because they did not have um, Jess Charman playing in goal for them, and and she's dislocated her thumb, so she's listening to this from the treatment room. Uh, and I said I'd give her a shout out but also she's now been playing she plays for um, well she's a Reading fan but she plays for Watford Ladies and she's now conceded one goal in the last eight games giving her a better clean sheet record than any of England's goalkeepers um, currently playing in the Premiership and perhaps Reading should look at uh, you know getting her signed up because she's pretty nifty I always think that uh, teenage girls have a better clean sheet record but um, Teenage boys, so that's uh, that's really good for it. Good for it. Excellent. I like I like hearing good news stories. I'm I'm sort of looking out for Reading now because they do have the only uh, the only professional footballer who's named Hal uh, playing for them. So go Hal Robson Carnu. <laughs> there you go. Well, he's got a good pedigree in those surnames. You know, he'll probably get yeah. shoulder injuries a lot, but play till he's 600 years old. That'd be fairly <laughs> impressive. Um, I was going to say, how massive is Nikola Zigic, by the way? Do you see him? Yeah, he's, uh, just I know he's just jumped leagues there, but. Suddenly dawned on me that six foot eight is really really huge, and he's and he and he just watching people like Lee Bowie trying to celebrate with him after he scored was absolutely hilarious. If you're saying that he's huge, for the loggers that don't know, um, <laughs> Paul is huge in in every sphere. Thank you very and, much. Uh, it's particularly interesting that someone. How tall are you? Six five. Six four. Six four. What's an inch between friends? Yeah. Well, I've got a few stories, but I'll uh, keep those to myself. Uh, who's going to win the championship? Let's wrap this up. Well, I mean, you've got to look at QPR as being favourites at this stage. They've got the player you said was the most complete midfield performance you'd seen this season or in for a long time in uh, yeah, Adult Tarab. Yeah. Um, well, I know Neil Warnock as well as I do, and he will buy some players in the next window, which will be absolutely rubbish, and that will help them implode, and I, I can see QPR finishing second. Really? So who do you think is going to win? I think Cardiff, when they get uh, that strike force, it doesn't matter how many they're left in, as proved yesterday, they're yeah. going to do a Newcastle and they're going to go up. And I do think they'll do all right in the Premiership as well. So how do you think about How do you feel about that? Because obviously the Scottish League's kind of a separate thing and we've had this whole thing about Rangers and Celtic not being allowed in the Premiership. Where do you stand on the Welsh teams being allowed in the Premiership? They shouldn't, they shouldn't be allowed in the whole English League at all. I mean, if you're going to call it like the English Premiership and the English Championship, and I know it isn't really given like that title, and it's, oh, you're going to the game of the English Championship this weekend. Yeah, yeah. But you know what I mean. Yeah. There is separate. It shouldn't be like that. Either everyone's allowed in this league, which yeah. means that the Scottish teams are allowed in, or no one is. You know what I'm, you know what I'm like. It's just yeah. simple. No, I think, that, I think that's fair enough. I, I don't have a I problem with that. A, well, I wouldn't have a problem with the Scottish guys coming in if the Welsh guys were in there. Let the Irish in as well. Let them all in. Let's have a free-for-all. Let's completely transform the league. But you can't just have, well, you three, 
from that nation. We yeah. like you. But none of the rest know. That's just nonsense. I don't know how it even started. No, I don't know really how that works. Um, cause like you say, it does seem to be one rule for one, one for another, which is not like professional football in the top level. <laughs> uh, but I suppose you know there's always got to be an exception that proves every rule, isn't there? Can we just quickly have a look at La Liga, where Madrid won 4-1 last night with a couple of goals from Iguain and Ronaldo, and Barcelona won 2. Uh, they beat league leaders Valencia, or they were the league leaders at that point. Uh, and Messi, had a, he got booked for a dive late on. Uh, I don't know if you saw it yesterday in, in the match, but he was basically no. clean through, and it looked like he was—he um, looked like he was hacked down by the last man. And the referee—I uh, I think he didn't book him actually. I think this is what we were arguing about because he—he—he he didn't give it, and he gave a free kick. No, he, to, didn't, he didn't book him. Yeah, and we said, well, if he saw it and he says it's a dive, then surely it's surely it's a booking because if you—if you're going down there, you're trying to get the guy sent off. But a lot of people on tw- on Twitter and Facebook already this morning have been saying, why does Messi need to dive? He's the best player in the world. I just wondered if you'd seen it and what you thought about it. I hadn't seen it, but I know, I know he wasn't booked. And I know he does, I think he's got a, a bit of a history of diving. I know people might think, oh, how dare you say that about Messi? But I think he's got a little nasty streak in him. Really? Well, he gave the ball away a little bit last night. We just thought, you know, I mean, maybe he's just turned a bit shit. I don't know. Is it, is it worth, we nearly nearly went through the whole thing without swear. Is yeah, it sorry. Um, the fact that I was in Mallorca, which I was in the wrong place, to see Barcelona against Mallorca and uh, Mallorca pulling off an incredible uh, draw with the uh, Mallorcan born and Sue scoring in that match Messi had opened the, the, the scoring but incredible bit of skill if you haven't had a chance to see it yet get on you and uh, have a little look at uh, some of the amazing player skill from the Mallorca players and oh, that's well. what really really uh, impressive in that match they got everyone booked uh, in that game literally even the goalkeeper everyone got booked uh, but there was some wonderful from uh, De Guzman you might remember from Feyenoord yeah, yeah. Uh, just doing some, some world class nutmegging and uh, just it was just great to watch. Just have a little look and uh, see what you think from that. It was I will. Well, on on that note, I mean, we're going to start wrapping up the the pod now because it's been it's been a good old hour and it's been great fun to chat to you, mate. Great mate. Uh, but I wanted to mention to our listeners that if you do have you know links to bits of skill or news stories that you find funny or anything really that you'd like us to include in our email uh, service, the logger, which is going great guns, and, and, and thank you to all of you who've been emailing me about it and, and tweeting me suggestions, that's been great. If you've got anything you want to share with us, do please remember you can send us an email at football underscore log at yahoo.co.uk, you can Facebook us, uh, poke us away, we, we love a bit of that, and uh, tweet us or tw- uh, Twitter us or whatever it's called at twitter.com forward slash football log and say hello it's usually me but sometimes Hal uh, he said lying through his teeth uh, but do <laughs> drop me do drop me a line me the password I've told you email me the password I oh remember. I will do yeah now I'll send you I, well, I don't want you to in case you go on and start you know ruining all these good friendships I've made on Twitter with all these lovable football fans who are you know, great you know, tw- you know Twitter is like kind of exploded yeah um, in the NFL football football they actually have a section on their version of Match of the Day where they will look at tweets from players. Really? Something you'd like to see incorporated into the English game? Well, it'd be more entertaining than watching uh, Gary Lineker stumble through another terrible joke at the end of each episode of Match of the Day. I don't know, maybe that'd be the way. Maybe. Speaking of which, have you got a terrible joke to finish on? Um, I have not. <laughs> I just didn't try to think of one. You must have a terrible joke to finish on, so why don't you tell us that and we'll say goodbye. Uh, okay, have you, have you run through everything? Have we been through uh, yeah, all the... Uh, all the all the ways and means of communication. I think so. Yeah, I mean, unless you want to start giving out mobile numbers, I mean, that might be. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, that's a good point because you refuse to accept uh, any friend requests from uh, anyone who yeah. you don't know. Uh, but all right, I'll give you one. What will keep it related? I was booked to do a gig at the annual Twitter convention, but then sorted out the order. I decided to follow Stephen Fry. Very good. Ladies and gents, that is all for episode 23 of the Fallon Ball Football Log. Thank you very much for joining us today, and we will speak to you soon.